Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From Chi-Town to the Ville. Nap-Town to the Netty. Hype is where it's at. For music and news. From hip-hop to Hollywood. Attention listeners. Attention listeners. Log on to TheHypeMagazine.com. For the hottest hip-hop and urban magazine you've ever seen. Get the 411 on the world of entertainment. New releases. And, and more. more. Just log on to TheHypeMagazine.com. In stores now at 7-Eleven. Kmart. Target. Barnes & Noble. Marsh. Chicken Save. As well as all mobile devices. Hype. How you perceive everything. Welcome to another the Live by Terrence show with T-Rex in the building. just want to thank you all for another Sunday night broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Definitely want to salute the Hype Magazine, Reverb Nation, College Underground Radio, and everybody that's part of the Live by Terrence show team. Uh, we have a couple of guests that are going to be coming on today. Of course, you know we always talk about football at uh, the beginning of the show. Kind of disappointment for the Auburn Tigers this year, but we, we did finish eight and four, and we are going to a bowl game. We're going to the Outback Bowl, which would be on January the first, noon kickoff of, against Wisconsin. So we're definitely uh, looking forward to that matchup, and then also at the top of the hour, we'll, we'll be interviewing much respected artists coming up veterans so just uh stay tuned top of the hour uh we'll have a special treat for you all uh, i do want to welcome uh special guest host of the show uh for the first hour uh mr jermaine uh how you doing today sir hey what's going on terrence what's going on fam i can't call it man you know another sunday night you know how we get down of course you know we were talking about that football and Yes, Pretty sir. much the college, the college season is wrapped up for the regular season portion of it. Now we head into the postseason with all the bowl games that's coming up. Uh, so how, how did you feel about uh, the upcoming bowl games and also the new current Heisman Trophy winner? Well, I'll say this. I do look forward to the matchups. I, I, love, the, I love the New Year's Six matchups. The one that I want everybody to take notice of is the Fiesta Bowl uh, with uh, Boise and Arizona. That's probably going to be very high-powered, very defensive, just all out and out, just a feisty matchup. And also like also like the team matchup, the Rose Bowl. Oregon and Florida State, but we can get into that later. Yeah, see, I, I didn't understand. I didn't understand how how did Boise State end up getting such a a big bowl when they had two losses? Well, here, here's the thing, and it's just like the BCS in in the, in, in regards to that. If you're the highest ranked of the the pack of five other conferences in the uh, in the um, in the playoff uh, rankings, then you will earn a spot. 
Okay, so yeah, I didn't I didn't know they they kept that portion into it because mm-hmm. I was like, man, I said, boy, the state, you know, I respect their program. It went ten and two, but I said, how in the world they end up going to the Fiesta Bowl over some of the other de- deserving teams? Right, and you know, and they actually won eleven games. They won that conference championship game, and um, and I think that Boise they've got to push their way into a, into a major conference, into one of those Power Five conferences, possibly the Big Twelve. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't see them as a Big Twelve material team, but. You you're right though. Um, it's I know Big Twelve feel kind of salty about not having Baylor, so they pre- pretty much played themselves out without having a conference championship game. Um, with, with with those snubs coming about, do you feel that they need to expand on this fourteen playoffs to maybe six, where the, uh, the top two teams have a bye, or even? They spin it out to eight teams. What, what's your thought on that? You got you got six bowls, so you can extend it out to eight, and have a quarterfinals using those six New Year's New Year's bowls, and then use four of the New Year's bowls as quarterfinal games, the other two as semifinal games, and then go to a neutral site as promised for for the championship game. You know that would probably add what two more games, but Still. Yeah, I know. I know the the ads and the presidents of the universities. They be one of the the student athletes that at least complete their regular season and the conference championship before they let out for you know winter break and with, with the holidays coming up. But my suggestion would be why why they can't start the season maybe beginning of August and then have a, a full-blown playoffs like, like the FCS has. They have the uh, 2014. I think that will that probably will water down the regular season some, and then you can afford to lose two, three, or maybe even four games. But I, I, could, I would like to see a true playoff system and not politics and you have a 12-member committee that, that sit in a room all day uh, picking teams. I would like to see it. You know, taking care of the field. Uh, what's what's your thought? I would definitely agree with that, Terrence. And and here's the thing: why I would agree with that because if you look at the FCS and how they do things, they still have those intersectional big matchups, like the Montana App State game, which was the last couple of years before App State moved up, or Marshall Georgia Southern before Georgia Southern moved up. This this past season. So, I mean, you've got, you've still got those intersectional games that you can play, but you can also have your conference schedule still in that 11 game, in that 11 game system and then have your playoffs. So, I love the way that the FCS does the playoff structure with the 2014, the top four teams having the first round by and coming into the second round. So, I mean, I, I actually, I actually love that system more so than I love the system that we currently have in the FBS. Now, what, what's your thought about our team, the Auburn Tigers? Uh, they finished with 8-4, and four and, and like I mentioned a few minutes ago, they have a bid to play in the Outback Bowl uh, against Wisconsin. So how do you feel about that? Uh, the, the season and the new hire that we have at defensive coordinator, Will Muschamp? Welcome back, Will. 
That's pretty much what I have to say about the the Will Muschamp situation. But I also think that Will Muschamp should have been able to coach Florida in that bowl game. I think he deserved that much more respect. I think he did a better job than Ron Zook in regards of what he had in the cupboard at Florida as opposed to what Ron Zook had. But, you know, I'm not an AD. So I can't really say much about that, but I do love. I like the matchup that we have: Melvin Gordon versus versus Cameron Payne. But I think Auburn may be a little bit overmatched in terms of their size and speed. Of course, Wisconsin lost their head coach to Oregon State this past week, also. So with Barry Alvarez, the AD, coming in and coaching that game. I just wonder how the offense for Wisconsin is going to change just a tad bit. I know Barry Alvarez. I know he's like, man, I get to coach a bowl game every four or five years. (laughs) Uh, Yes, yes. Even after he done retired from coaching, he come down from the AD office and and, and coach the the bowl game. So, um, do, do you see Auburn as a favorite against Wisconsin or a toss Well, I, I did hear some early line. I did hear some early lines that you know giving Auburn a three and a half points, but um, I've also heard other lines is giving Wisconsin a seven point you know cushion. So I think that could go either way. I, I really think it's whoever's defense comes out first, whoever can establish a run first, and whoever can come off the play action. I think that will be the that will be the the plays of the of the game. Yeah, I, I think it'll probably come down like you said, three and a half. It'll come down to a field goal. I think that the game will be close off four quarters. Uh, both teams seem to have a very dominant um, running game, and who, I think whoever controls the clock the most, and also the old cliche. Whoever has the least turnovers will will pull out the game. So I'm going to go with that. Even though I want Auburn to win, I just think it's going to be a close game because uh, Wisconsin uh, they have something to prove to. Uh, they got very, they got embarrassed in the uh, Big Ten championship game against Ohio State, and then also with Auburn kind of letting go the momentum against Alabama. So, you know, both both teams have something to prove. And then with, with this, this bold victory by either team, that would be more momentum going toward the 2015 year, which, you know, Auburn is riding high on 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 Will, Will Muschamp coming in. And, and then, of course, uh, Javon Robinson, the five-star running back right. from Georgia right. Military College, uh, he's eligible to, to report to the team now just to practice but not, not to play this year. But, you know, go ahead and get those early recruits in. So is definitely he, is, is he a January enrollee by chance, do you know? Or Yes, yes, he yes, he will be enrolling in January. So he can go ahead and get get used to the system, which he kind of was used to it when he was there because uh, he was there with uh, – what's the name? <laughs> I don't drew a blank now. <laughs> ah, he was there with uh, – with, uh, was he there with Ellis or was he there with uh, Chizik? Yeah, Chizik. <laughs> uh, I, I should remember because I know he <laughs> came in and then he left. Yeah. I think he was there. I want to say his 
I want to say he got red shirted and he was there his freshman year, red shirt freshman mm-hmm. year, and then he That's, left. I, I want to say that too. I want to say that too. Yeah. But he still got two years of eligibility. Uh, let me ask you this, Chance. What do you think of uh, both Duke Williams and uh, Sammy Coates both saying that it's it's almost a sure possibility that they may come back next year? I would say they probably need to just come out because of the fact that Mel Kuyper has them projected first and second round. And you kind of want to bank on that. You know, you, they can get an evaluation and get get, get someone to kind of get them a, a draft grade just to see if they will pan out that way going into the draft. But, yeah, if, if, if Mel Kuyper said they're going to come out first and second round, I, I, that would be a strong consideration to look into it because – you know, next year anything can happen. You, you, you know, you saw Duke; he had strain his his uh, MCL or whatever, and he, MCL, he was out, yes, couple, uh, out a couple of games. And you know, Sammy Coates he he had you know a history of injuries too. So I don't know if they want to risk another college year just to try to win a championship or whatever. Because I know their aspirations is to go to the pros, and if they already getting projected that high. I would say just go ahead and go. I mean, I, that would hurt my heart, and I know that would hurt your your heart too. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because <laughs> they are I mean, some stud and, and the thing about it is, they're studs, and you're right. And the thing about those two are that they're good student athletes too. Um, I think Duke Williams is actually scheduled to graduate in in May, if I'm not mistaken, and Sammy Coates has already got a degree. So, I mean, he it could be possible that that could be the reasons why they both go and it could be a reason why they both stay. Exactly. And I also want to welcome the Jerry Maguire of football recruiting. Wanna welcome Scott Smith to the show. How you doing tonight? Oh man, I'm great, fellas. How you guys doing? Scott, what's going on, buddy? Oh not so, a lot, man. Not, not a lot. Just get, getting ready for Christmas. I imagine you guys doing the same. Oh, oh yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, we're we doing the same. <laughs> it's coming so fast, man. This whole year is going by so fast. And then, especially with college football, man, it's seems like a blur. We sit there and wait for nine months at the most for the football season to come around. It just seems like it just go by so fast. Now now we're talking about the bowl season now. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, it, 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 it seems like yesterday the, Yesterday we were just getting getting ready for the, for the season opener. I remember my old miss was playing Boise State and a couple of those kind of games and it went by in a blur. Yes, indeed. I and mean, then we were hoping on the Auburn Notre Dame national championship game, but I guess we're going to hold out for that one. <laughs> we, we, we both had our seasons go good, kind of south towards the end, I believe. <laughs> oh yes. Now, how do you feel about Notre Dame's um, bowl projection? And, and, and well, I mean, and how yeah, the- and I, here's, here's the funny thing about that is a lot of people have been kind of asking if I was worried, and, and I'll tell you why I'm not worried because. US, when we went to USC, that was like Notre Dame's third string. Like well, we had more injuries than I've almost than I've probably ever seen a Notre Dame team have. Uh, all those guys will be back pretty much. Pretty much everybody that's hurt versus Louisville and versus um, versus USC will be will be back on the field. So I kind of think anybody that thinks LSU is going to blow Notre Dame out might be in for a surprise. I would agree with you on that, definitely, Scott. Um, I don't think LSU is as strong defensively as they've been in the last few years. Um, and also, I don't think they have the quarterback play to match up with Everett Olsen. I really don't. 
Yeah, you see what worries me about them is LSU. The only thing that worries me about them is their strength is their secondary. And uh, we don't run the ball real well. That does worry me. I, I, you know, with that said, I still think, it, you know, I think it will be a lot more competitive. And I think LSU is a nine-point favorite in Vegas. Well, for entertainment purposes only, I'd just say that I would uh, jump all over my Irish if I were a bit man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, i go with the spread. I mean, I would go with the spread on that game also. Um I think I go with the under on the spread and the over. Yes, yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Well, what do you guys think about Wisconsin? Uh, I, I was wondering, wondering what how Auburn fans felt about facing the Badgers. Uh, uh, like like I was saying before, you came on. Uh, I, it's really it's gonna be a toss up, man, because they they both have pretty much the similar strengths and everything, and you know they both kind of embarrassed from the, the previous losses. That they had special Wisconsin <laughs> taking taking wow. that beat from uh, Ohio true. State, and then Auburn well, losing. You know, hey, hey, here's Alabama. my question, Terrence: Is an Auburn fan? Do you think Melvin Gordon's the best best running back you've seen this year? Yes, I would say so. Just for what they have and what they are built on. Well, you know, Wisconsin always known for a, a great offensive line. I don't know where they get. I guess they get all those guys <laughs> from from Wisconsin or somewhere, but. <laughs> They always have a great offensive line, and I, I think he's going to be a good pro as well. Uh, he has great vision, uh, good cutback speed. I, I would say he probably is the best back in um, college football. Uh, what, what about you, Jermaine? I, I would I would definitely tend to agree with the both of you guys. And, you know, with the thing about Wisconsin's offensive line, they recruit the Chicagoland area better than Illinois and and Northwestern do. And a lot of those offensive players actually end up going to Wisconsin instead of staying in state and playing for the big three. So I I, I tend to agree with with, uh, with what you guys say about the offensive line. And Yeah, they, they always have. They, I remember for years uh, there was, for especially when, you know, you go back a few years when Boston College was really good. Uh, for years, I always said if Boston College and Wisconsin was recruiting an offensive lineman, everybody else ought to immediately offer them. <laughs> because mm-hmm. for years, those guys had good offensive line. I mean, you know, it didn't matter who the names were. They just were year in, year out. They were. Yeah, I think we just lost Scott. He'll be joining us back momentarily. Um, I want to ask you about the Heisman Trophy presentation last night. Marcus Mariota won it from Oregon. Uh, did, did you feel like he was deserving of it, or did you feel like very Cooper? Very much so, very much yeah, but... so. Uh, before you even finish that question, yes. I mean, if you look at his body of work over the season, 3,507 yards, 38 touchdowns, two interceptions, almost 1,000 yards rushing in another 14 touchdowns on the on the on the ground. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, he was well high and above the Heisman Trophy winner of this season. What's your take on that, Scott? You, you think Marcus was the surefire winner, or do you feel like Cooper should have got some more more love and also Melvin Gordon? I, th- I think I think. Uh... I, you know, to be honest, I think I think Cooper may be the best player in the country, but that mm-hmm. award is, you know, we know over the years the best player don't always win it. And Dominick Sue was the best player, you know, when he come out. 
Uh, typically, a receiver, defensive back, has got to return kicks and do a lot of other things. Just the way it is, no no point in trying to change the you know the the award and how it's voted on now. I think Mariota probably you know I would probably give it to him just simply because to me Gordon you know as a running back you only got to have your big yards you got to have you got to win you got to win something. Gordon Gordon didn't win anything. I love him, but he didn't win anything. Got to be fifty nine and nothing in the title game for Big Ten. So I kind of say you know give it to Mariota. Cooper did return kicks or punts, but he he might possibly be the best player in the country. I would agree with you on that. I mean, I, I was surprised when they announced his name as the Belintnikoff Award. Ha, ha, ha. But <laughs> it really wasn't. You know, um, I mean, you look at his body of work over over the last three seasons, and, I mean, it's almost a surefire bet that he's going to come out too, and he's probably going to be in that first five, six kicks of the 2015 NFL draft. No, I yeah. totally agree. So to me, he's like Sammy Watkins made over, except for he's probably a little bit better version of Sammy Watkins. And that's yeah, saying a lot. Yeah, I think yeah, all I think three Sammy of Watkins had, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, I was, I was going to say, I think all three of those uh, finalists that was there last night, gonna, they're going to be good pros. So they, they're going to be some good asset to whoever end up drafting them. Here's my question to to both of you guys. Do you think that Marcus Mariota is going to come out? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think I think he's going to come out after this year, uh, after uh, <laughs> after his junior year. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I was laughing about something. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a. Uh, <laughs> When Wendy is sitting in the background, she said, "Coming out." I guess she was talking, talking about something. Else. Oh Lord! <laughs> no, Wendy, no, no, no. We're talking about coming out of junior year. <laughs> Wendy. Hey, we're gonna take a quick station break. We're gonna take a quick eight-second break, and we'll be right back. Check out your number one digital outlet for music and news from hip-hop to Hollywood. www.thehypemagazine.com Welcome back to the Live by Terrence Show. I am T-Rex. We are talking with Jermaine and also Scott Smith of Streetlight Recruiting. Uh, we just had a little, little funny little excerpt there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I want to move along. Uh, did anybody get to catch any of the 30 for 30 Documentary last night after the Heisman. The U part two. Yes. Yes. What was your thoughts on that? <laughs> I, you know, the part that I watched was pretty, pretty good. I remember that. That, that I remember that portion. That portion probably even probably a little better than I remember the Jimmy Johnson. Uh, you know, the the U part one. That I remember the team that took Nebraska apart. Um, you know, back in '01, and, and they were great, and, and that was, I was pretty impressed hearing about how many guys was drafted off that team, uh, and that, that kind of deal. Now, I, I'm not necessarily sure they were deserving of a second part. I mean, they only won one one title, but uh, they got it nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, it was a very interesting uh, documentary. There, I, I enjoy those 30 for 30, and I also got a kick off the Seven Floor Crew. <laughs> And that rap song <laughs> that they made that, that that has been trending on Twitter all day long, especially with Greg Olson with with his part of it. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't repeat what he said. You just had to look it up yourself. 
But uh, I, have to look that up. I, miss, I miss that part, so I'm gonna have to look. Yeah. That up. <laughs> they pretty much rap wow. about everything that college students go through, especially when you're playing football. How you have the luxury of of women and everything, so they kind of ah. made a song <laughs> about that. It, it was it was quite hilarious to me because you know they, they're college kids. They caught a lot of flack from it though, but you know, at the same time, I remember sitting in the room making you know raps and stuff like that. <laughs> it just never did get out like like theirs did. But you know it was quite fun. I, I did enjoy it, but I I don't I didn't think they deserved a, a part two of the of the you. But you know I'm glad they did it anyway. Well, you know, I mean, you know, the old one team was—it was one of the pot, one of the best teams ever. But you know, my—I've always kind of had a thing about uh, longevity, and, and they only won one. I mean, it was a great team. They still only won one, so I'm—I'm I'm with you. I don't know if they deserve a second part. I mean, I would love to see a thirty thirty for thirty on Nebraska of those '90s teams. I mean, I know that uh, was it CBS or Fox did something on Nebraska with Tom Osborne and. And that whole group of guys from '94 to '97. I, I, I yeah, love that. Would be that. great. That'd be great to see. Yeah, because I mean, you know the standout star on there was Tommy Frazier, and especially when he was playing with blood clots too, and that that was just amazing within itself. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, Tommy Frazier was there. I, I've always said that maybe maybe it's because I you know. I, I was kind of in my teenage years when I saw when I saw uh, you know the, the the height of uh, Tommy Frazier and Danny Murphy, but for whatever reason in my mind, my mind's eye, and I've seen some good ones since then. But the two quarterbacks stand out as the two best college quarterbacks I've ever seen was Tommy Frazier and Danny Murphy. Obviously, completely different styles. Just for whatever reason, they're they are on a different level to me. Uh, they, both of them were unbelievable. You know, I, I would I would agree with you on that. I... Tommy Frazier was a was a was a running back that played quarterback. Let's just face it, guys. I mean, that's what he was. Oh yeah. But he had that will to win. He was he's almost he was almost Tim Tebow before Tim Tebow was Tim Tebow. Like he just had that will to win, and not only that, he was a Florida guy too. I didn't know that. I didn't know Frazier was from Florida. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's that's some good good information. I yeah, I didn't know that either. Uh, I didn't really know too much about him. You know, I was a teenager too at that time, and I just I was always fascinated by him. By the way, he he controlled that that because they were still running triple option then, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and he ran that triple ran option. Uh, I mean, he he that's the thing. You know, it takes a lot of guts to to, to run that triple option from under center. It's one thing to run that from the shotgun when you got five yards to make the decision between whether the defensive end is trying to take your head off or not, but as somebody who's actually, I've been under center and tried to run the option out of out from un, from underneath center before. It happens quick, and that defensive end hits you, it hits you fast. So to be able to do it as smooth as Tommy Frazier did it at the collegiate level is just amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, he, he, go ahead. Now you go ahead, Jermaine. And you know, you know, to back up your point, you know, the defining run for him was that was that epic run where he had four guys hanging off of him and he still scored in that Fiesta Bowl game. Oh, yeah, against Florida. That just, shows you, that just shows you the heart that he had. 
Yeah, I, I can remember vividly them just annihilating Steve Spurrier's Florida team. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was that was a good one. That, that was at the time I I liked the Spurrier, but I didn't like Florida. <laughs> so I was I was quite happy about how how Nebraska just just torched them. But I, I did also like I like the Scott Frost. Um, he came after um, Tommy Fraser, and also the Heisman Trophy winner Eric Crouch. I, I thought they was very you know phenomenal with running the offense as well too. I, I, you know, speaking I, of Scott Frost, I was kind of surprised he didn't get the Nebraska job this this time, uh, being uh, being up there, being the coordinator at Oregon, and uh, the Nebraska mm-hmm. job come open. I'm surprised. You know, seemed to me it would have been a match made in heaven, more more so than Mike Riley. I I was just about to ask you that. You think that the Mike Riley hire was a good hire, or you know, I, I'll tell you why I don't have a high opinion on Mike Riley. I can remember I was in Tuscaloosa. I played 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 baseball at a school called Stillman at, at the time. Of the mm-hmm. uh, Shula hire, basically, I was up there when Mike when Mike Price did all his little deal, and you know Shula ended up coming in and getting hired, so I had to hear about all that. And I remember, um, I remember there was a uh, that Mike Riley was he was actually I believe he had, he was officer coordinator at the, with the Saints then. He was after mm-hmm. he had been fired by the Chargers, and he basically as a Bama alum, he essentially came out and said that he turned the job down because he didn't want the pressure. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Nebraska. It's not Bama's pressure, but it's you better believe it's serious pressure. Uh, you know, look at Bo Pelini. In the last seven years, the only coaches that have won nine games or more each year for the last seven years is him and Nick Saban, and he got axed. <laughs> so, well, if you want to, you know, the question is: Has Mike Riley grown up? You know, is he does he want the pressure now at sixty years old? I think it's now or never for him if he did if he didn't go after this job. I think that he he would regret he would regret not being a coach at a major <clears throat> excuse me story school like in Nebraska like in Alabama. I I actually thought that he could have could have taken either of those jobs, the Alabama job, and been great at it. But I think he's going to fall into that into that Frank Solich type of deal where he may win ten games pretty much every year with the talent that he's got in the state. But they're still going to let him go. That's yeah, true. You, you talking about he doesn't like pressure. Yeah, Nebraska is pressure because, you know, even though they won, like, what, nine games the last six years in a row, they want to win some Big Ten championships. So that's going to be a they lot of pressure. Win, yeah, they, absolutely. They or at least be competitive. Right, right. So they want to go 10-2. and two. Eleven and one, with a, a chance to play for a Big Ten title and possibly get into the college playoffs. So, you know, he he probably didn't have those. I'm sure he didn't have those expectations at Oregon State other than beating Oregon oh, every, no. every other I mean, year. Well, you you, you got to compete with Oregon up there, and, and Oregon State's realistic. They know they know they can't compete with Nike and all that. So, just this, the the the, uh, the pressure there is very, very uh, not even close to the level of Nebraska. I mean, I can recall seeing a story on Mike Riley. Riding, hey, he rode his bicycle to work every day at Oregon State. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you're if you're one in five or something like that in Nebraska, you probably don't want to ride your bike to work as a head coach. <laughs> I'm just getting, you know, the, I'm just going you know, on a limb. That's probably a bad idea. <laughs> you know, in the 15 seasons combined that Mike Riley was coach at at Oregon State, he only went six and nine against Oregon. 
So, and two of those wins were, I mean, two of those wins was was after he came back. So, here's my uh, thing. Here's my thing. If you're going to hire Mike Riley, why not hire Turner Gill? You know, bring somebody back that's that's connected to the program. Good point. I, I think Turner Gill and Scott Frost would have been the two that I would have I would have looked to go back to the roots. I mean, you've been outside of the program. You 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 had you had Bill Callahan. That was a disaster to me. That's just my personal opinion. Bill Callahan and Mike Riley, they're the programs they're going to run are similar. They're going to be a little bit of finesse. They're going to be a little bit more laid back. They're not from there. I don't like it. I mean, that's just me personally. I'm not a big fan of the Mike Riley hire. Obviously, I think Oregon State ended up. Uh, on the positive side, I think they had. I think they got the better football coach. I yeah, think, I believe I Anderson is. I mean, he's hey, he's a good football coach. Good football coach. I mean, me, me personally, if I was an Oregon State fan, I'd be happy with the trade. I think that Gary Anderson actually wanted to go back on to the West Coast. I mean, because as quick as he took that job at Oregon State, I mean, he come from Utah State, went to Wisconsin. And now he's back on the West Coast. I think that's where he wanted to be in the first place. I think he wanted to be out there in the West. Yeah, you you would think because it, it's got to be because I mean, think about if if you if if you guys had had several job opportunities. Obviously, if you're the head coach of Wisconsin, you you got probably a few offers. You probably have a, a few options. If Oregon's 42 miles from you, would you really want the Oregon State job, knowing that you can't compete with them? I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, that, sounds like that, that's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be I mean, and, you know, even though, and, and even though, yeah, Oregon State is is night is Phil Knight funded also. You know, being that Beaverton's like twelve miles from from the campus there at Oregon State. I mean, you would you would think that they would have the wherewithal to bring in a bigger name coach than just a Gary Anderson or or a. In this situation, letting a Mike Riley go. Well, I only think, think a bigger name coach would take that job. Just like Scott was saying, I, I didn't realize, I just learned something new. I didn't realize they were that close together. So that would be kind of intimidating, miles, too. Yeah, yeah that would be kind of intimidating, yeah. too. <laughs> well, cause you, know, you, I mean, you can just imagine without us having, without us going out there and visiting Oregon and Oregon State's facilities, you've got a pretty good idea just imagining what the difference is. It's probably pretty dreadful. I mean, I, I've, I've been I've been to both. I've been to both. I've been out there before, and I was out there before the field night money started rolling in. I was out there when Joey Harrington was there. So okay, the facilities for both have changed a drastic bit. I mean, um, at one point, Research Stadium in Corvallis was not even thirty five. So. And it had the running track around it. Now it's up to forty-eight thousand, and they barely have the wherewithal to fill that up. I mean, I think the average like forty-two thousand a game. Yeah, that's bad. Whereas you know, Alston, you know they've you no, know, they were at thirty-eight thousand seats, and now they've added on to that facility and made it to fifty-four thousand. And I actually, actually had thought about at one point just building a brand new stadium, yeah, bringing it more toward campus. 
I believe that. I'm, I'm pretty sure Nike probably can fund the whole thing <laughs> that way. I mean, play. you know, <laughs> when you think about it, I mean, they've they've got them a new um, football facility. They've built a new new basketball arena for them. They've built a new baseball stadium and a softball complex for them. So, I mean, that's over $300 million worth of worth right there. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But Oregon, they're going to be around, man. Lonesfield night, pumping money into the facilities. And it, it really, you really can plug in a coach into that program right now, and they're going to get the recruits because they are the class of the uh, Pac-12. You know, and USC is trying to get back to that status, which I think they're not too far behind. Uh, it's going to be between them two. Most of the year, anyway, every now and then you'll have UCLA that might sprout up or Arizona, but for the most part, it's gonna, always going to be UCLA. I mean, uh, USC and, and Oregon that's going to be battling out for that conference title. Well, here's my thing: if if USC gets rid of Pat Hayden, I think I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard that from a lot of USC fans. But Pat Hayden is not a fan favorite. And yeah, you know. I don't think that anybody will recruit the nation as, as good as Oregon or USC will. I mean, they can pull from everywhere. Especially USC. I mean, because, I mean, I, I've talked to kids. I've had kids that actually have been offered by USC, and even kids from Alabama. You at Los Angeles, Southern California, the weather, it's attractive to anybody anywhere. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what state they're from. They're going to be willing to look at USC. Yeah, and they got a lot of Hollywood ties too, so you pretty much plan for a pro team even though you're in college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no pro team there right now, so it's a, it's a bonus. It's a benefit for them right now. Right, exactly. We're going to move on along to the NFL. You know, our current team, <laughs> I say current team, I don't think we're going to no. change, but <laughs> Chicago plays tomorrow night, Monday night football versus the Saints. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? You know, both of those teams are having bad years. Uh, uh, do you see the Bears pulling this out at home? I, I don't personally. What's, what's our home record on the year? One in one in five one in four? or one, one, one in four? <laughs> four we, our home foot advantage hasn't been much this year. I mean, and so I'm kind of, I mean, I'm kind of thinking, you know, you know, what I'm thinking about Jay Cutler. And I'm thinking we need to improve our draft pick and get a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, preferably well, a Mar- the Mariota. <laughs> well, oh, you, you know, I'm a Jameis fan. Now, I'm, I'm I'm a Jameis fan on, on the football field. Between the lines, I'm a Jameis fan. <laughs> so, I mean, I personally would lean towards Jameis, and I know if, if you just keep him keep him keep him straight off the field, that's what I would lean. Well, here, here's the thing that I that I've been hearing. Um, you know that Mark Tressman has the Canadian ties, and uh, the Calgary quarterback, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, who's won every won everything that he could win up there, he may be interested in coming to Chicago. Well, you know, there's been there's been a lot of guys from the, from that uh, Canadian Football League that after they've been there for several years have uh, have transitioned well. If you remember back to War Moon and Doug Flutie, uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I wouldn't be opposed to it at all. I mean, this kid's won. This this kid's won everywhere that he's played at. I mean, 
He uh, he's from he's from Katy, Texas, home of Roger Clemens. Twenty four years old, won the FCS championship with uh, Eastern Washington, and just won the Grey Cup with uh, Calgary. So the kid can throw the ball, and he's a proven winner. Uh, yeah, what? Yeah, you, but, <laughs> you got a point. It's not gonna get you excited, is it, Terrence? <laughs> hey, I'm not excited yet. <laughs> hey, but I will tell you now. Listen, somebody in recruiting, I'll tell you that anybody from that Eastern Washington program—that's underrated. That's a heck of a program they run out there. So you yeah, know he's well. Too school. bad they lost last. It's too bad they lost yesterday too. I mean, they had an excellent season. Oh yeah, they do every year. Their program and they play on their red turf. You gotta love it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I'm about to definitely. ask you that. Yeah, I love that red turf they have. That's, <laughs> that's, that's very unique. I actually like it better than the boys of states, Bluefield. Oh, oh yeah, man, what do you think? Yeah, me too. Eastern Washington's a uh, grayfield. Yeah, what? Eastern Washington has a grayfield. They changed it. And to gray? they call their stadium. Yeah, their their field's gray. They call their field the factory. Oh, it, well, it was red a couple of years ago. They must have changed it. Oh, uh, Eastern Michigan. Oh, I was—I thought you said Eastern Washington. I was—I was about to say I was—I was thinking Eastern Washington was red. <laughs> yeah, it is the Inferno. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed that feel, and yeah, Chicago—they need some help. Maybe I was—you know—I know Scott had posted on the other day on Facebook, and I, and I had comment. I said, "Sure, let's get RG three, but <laughs> I already know how how that would translate because. RG3 want to run first, and I don't know if that would translate into Mark Tressman's offense. What's you your know, take I, on? Let me tell you what I think about the RG3. Because uh, you actually, when you commented, I, I thought about uh, actually replying. This is I like RG3 a lot. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great. I think he. I think he has the potential to be a great leader. And, and at one time, I liked. I liked his ability in the NFL. I kind of think if we were to acquire him, it'd be like when, when the Bears acquired Cordell Stewart. It might be two years too late. Yeah, you know, because Cordell you know was flashed, but he wasn't flashed when we got him. I would agree with that. I think he was a pure quarterback at that point. I don't think he he would run the ball as much. Yeah, and he didn't want but to. I, also, I think RG, RG3 is kind of. I think a lot of people were talking about his running so much. I believe he's has got in the mentality of. He wants to prove he can stand in the pocket and throw it. Well, when you grew up your whole life and you played a certain way with your skills, you are what you are. You're not going to play a different way. I would definitely agree with you on that. But I think that – I actually think that RG3 would actually translate pretty well in Tressman's system because Tressman's system is more of a freelance yet disciplined type system where you're going to make your read first and if you have to scramble out, you scramble out. I don't think it's well, that's as, true. That's true. I don't think it's as as running quarterback friendly as people think that it is. But I mean, it does give you that that role to freelance with Jay Cutler. I am convinced now. You guys have convinced me. <laughs> Man, I take Tim Tebow right now. Off of the SEC oh. network. <laughs> no doubt. There's no doubt. We'll take Tebow right now. <laughs> uh, and you know what? He he would fit great into that offense. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I th- now, I think Tristan is actually a pretty good play caller that can take a mobile guy like RG3 or even a Tebow, and I think he could help, you know, mask some of their flaws, you know. But Cutler, I think Cutler, Cutler handcuffs anybody. I don't know if there's a play caller alive that would that could call plays with Jay Cutler under center and be successful. <laughs> I think he wants to be Brett Favre without being Brett Favre. Without being a leader, though. Yeah, that's the thing. He wants to be Brett Favre without being a leader. <laughs> yeah. It, it, he, that is a better, that's a better point there, Scott. <laughs> he definitely has a lot of lot of things going on in his head, man. Uh, I was kind of disappointed today in Johnny Football, you know, his first professional start. I was kind of <laughs> looking for him to, to, to pull an upset and beat Cincinnati. But, man. He played just like a rookie for real today. He was he was pretty awful. You know what? You know, and I I watched that game from start to finish. You know how they were talking about they were going to let him be a little bit free, let him let him do his thing. They kept him showed up most of the game, and then when he did get on the field, he was only on the field thirteen, fourteen, fifteen plays that first half. I mean, they ran ball control type offense that whole night. Yeah, I mean, he showed some flashes there, but, you know, he was still making the, the rookie throws, throwing it too late, uh, taking off when he shouldn't. He should have, you know, checked down on all his uh, receivers. Uh, I think he got a long way to go. It might have been a bad idea to even start him because they were still kind of in the playoff race, but I, I'm sure that 7-7 seven and seven in the AFC, they're definitely out of it now. But So I guess they well, have the nothing AFC, to lose. You know, I mean, mm. Well, I think the reason they went ahead and started him is because Brian Hoyer in his last 29 drives had one scoring drive. <laughs> it was it was pretty ugly. Uh, so I think, you know, it's time to just flip, flip scripts and, uh, you know, see what Manziel's got. But he's a rookie, and I, I personally believe, you know, with the exception of very few rookie quarterbacks, most of them struggle. Yeah, 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 that, that's true. That's, yeah, we had to give him the benefit of the doubt because he is a rookie and this was his first start. Uh, I, I'm, I guess it's better for him to start now than, than throw him in there at the beginning of the year because, you know, that could take take away mentally from you too and cause you to lose a lot of confidence. So maybe he will learn from this game and then come back out there next week and try to improve. I am a Johnny football fan. I got to see his last collegiate game uh, when he played in the, the Peach Bowl last year. <laughs> Against Duke. Yes. <laughs> that was impressive. Yes, it was. So I am a giant football fan there. Uh, but right now in the NFL, I, I would say the Patriots, man, is probably the favorites to win everything. Uh, I, NFC, uh, maybe Seattle. Maybe Seattle is going to be the one that, that can, can stop New England. Um, what, what's y'all take mm-hmm. on? Seattle ain't looking too good right now. Well, Seattle's driving right now. I'm actually watching the game right now. Um I actually, I actually like um, I like Detroit, but I don't think that they're as as balanced as, as Seattle in terms of you know their defenses compared to their offense. I don't think that their defense can can stop anybody for real. So you're on the Detroit bandwagon? Yeah, I'm, right I'm on New England. I'm, I'm on New England's bandwagon. I, I, I don't bet against Tom Brady. There's a couple of rules I have in life, and that's one of them. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not on, the, I'm not on the bandwagon, but I just, I think that Detroit is a balanced team in the NFC North, and I think that they could be that team that can challenge Seattle, that can challenge that status quo. But I also love the way that Arizona is playing right now. Yeah, they, they, they got a great defense. They got a great defense. Now, to me, if I had to pick one team that could beat that could win the Super Bowl, it's not named New England. It'd be the Packers. And I hate to say that as a Bears fan, I hate to say it. But Aaron Rodgers, I mean, going in, I would have rather had, you said Minnesota. Do <laughs> what? He said you should have said. I would have rather you said Minnesota. Hey, I, listen, I, I would love to be able to say somebody else, but that thing here, Rodgers, coming into the day, last four games, he had had, multi, he had more than one touchdown pass with zero interceptions. It was tied to NFL record. So, I mean, that kind of gives you an idea. Multiple touchdown yeah. passes, no picks yeah. in four straight games. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I forgot about the Packers, man. Yeah, you can't count them out. But... You would forget about the Packers, I mean, the population is about the population of the valley right now. So, <laughs> yeah, just imagine we had an NFL team. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> man, that would be awesome. But uh, yeah, I, I forgot all about the Packers though. That yeah, you, you can't bet against Aaron Rodgers either. He, he's he's pretty good, and he, he probably will go down as one of the greatest statistical quarterbacks of all time. But I just see Seattle, man. I, I, I see them going back to the to the championship game, man, to the, to the Super Bowl. Mainly because of their defense. Uh, I would agree. I would agree. I, you uh, what, I, I watched Seattle against Philadelphia last week. And did you guys watch that game? Yes, I caught some of it, man. They even, oof. <laughs> That make any good quarterback up far. They have proved that I mean, but this one, The NFC is so wide open. I mean, you can go either way right now. Yeah. I mean, you can't rule out Dallas either. Look like Dallas is going to finally make the playoffs. And they might win 10 games. I imagine that. <laughs> yeah, it won't, it won't uh, be any more. Do they have off week this week, or are they playing? At, are they playing the Sunday night game? Are they playing tonight? You know who they playing against? Philadelphia. That's the rivalry game right there. Yeah, that is tonight. Okay, okay. Yeah, eight thirty. Definitely gonna be tuned in to that one. That's gonna be a good, a good game there. They playing in Philadelphia, so uh, maybe Mark Sanchez will be able to, you know, torch him again. <laughs> You know, Mark Sanchez, I think this is the offense for him. I mean, would you guys agree? I'm almost – I have, man, Chip Kelly. I, I think Chip Kelly can play with any quarterback right now. I agree. I totally agree <laughs> with you. Chip Kelly no. is a genius. If you, if you think about it, I heard somebody talk about this the other day. If you look at offenses across high school, college, the NFL, not one person you can name has had more of an impact on on football today than Chip Kelly because nobody huddles anymore, and that's all Chip Kelly. And, I mean, that's – 
that kind of gives you an idea when football's been around for you know over 100 years, and this man in the last 20 impacted the game at every single level. Down, I mean, I've seen Pee Wee team no huddle with the cards on the sideline and all that. That's Chip Kelly, I and mean, that's amazing. And, and and I agree because the reason why you can you can look back to when Steve Spurrier came into the league and, and they kind of he was kind of trying to do the same thing a little fun and gun offense with Washington. And that just failed from the get go. Yeah. So absolutely. What made it a fail? What made it a fail was that the owner got too hands on. He got too finicky and too picky with with what was going on. And that's the reason why Shanahan was successful at, at at Washington. I mean, Daniel Snyder wants to be in control of everything, and I think that's going to be the downfall of that team. Yeah, he's kind of like Jared Jones, but but Jared Jones had had the athletes to still win, but he's kind of have that shadow over Dallas now. But it looks looks like they might be able to um, look like they might be able to make some noise this season. But yeah, Dan Snyder, I don't know what the problem is with that. He's in love with RG three. And then it's been talks about the even thing about firing Jay Gruden at the end of the year just because he don't want to play with RG3. You know, he don't want him as his quarterback. So, well, I don't know. When you have a guy like Hope McCoy, who is a proven starter, who, you know, is a few games under 500 as a starter, but is not a bad professional. Not at all. You're 100% right. And the thing about Hope McCoy, I mean, anybody, you know, Joe Montana would be a few games under 500 with the, with the Cleveland Browns in the past 10 years. So, so in fairness <laughs> to Colt, that's not necessarily his fault. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that, he falls into true. that Joey Hansen category, if you, if you ask me, where he had all the talent in the world but didn't have any talent around him. Oh, that's right. That's right. I mean, you can be put in a bad position, and I think those, those are two that definitely were put in bad positions. Yeah, so you can't it, call them bust at all. No, but you know they always gonna have that label because you know they expect the quarterback to rise above and 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 lead lead a team. And even though they tried, they just they had the weapons around, them, so they get listed as a failure and a bust because of that. You're right. And, the and, thing about it is people people are expecting their franchise quarterback to be Tom Brady, and guess what? There's only one of those. Now Tom Brady could take us three, and we and, and we catch a hundred passes a year. You know it wouldn't matter because Tom Brady would put it in your face mask if you're not open. But you know outside of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and a couple of others, I mean you you basically your quarterback's got to have a little bit of help. And, and I think a lot of people expect you know hey I want my guy I'd love for Jay Cutler to be Tom Brady, but you know at the same time I'd love to be a millionaire too. It's just not gonna happen. Right. <laughs> I mean let, let, let's talk about. Now, if you had to say the best quarterbacks to come out of out of the college ranks into the pro ranks, how would you rate them as busts, the top five busts for you guys? That's a good question. Are oh, you want us to name the top five busts quarterbacks? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So you got to go with Jamarcus, Jamarcus Russell, Brian Leaf. <laughs> oh boy! 
Um, What's the name from the past? We could take Audrey it back. Lear? David yeah, that's, that's two that would come to Grant mind. Klingler? Yes. Um, RG3? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't call him a bush just yet. Let's wait till next year to call him a bush. What, um, was, that ten, what was that Tennessee quarterback? I don't know, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, he's Shuler. He was yeah. that, that that may be the biggest bust in NFL history to me. Because if you go back, I mean he, he sure he was great. He year. was great in college. And he was absolutely horrific in the NFL. And who did he play for? The, the Redskins. That's one caving now, you gotta remember our, our boy with the Bears now. He was a system fit. He everything that could be right for caving down was right. He fit Gary Croton's system with the Bears. He was coming in, everyone gave him a year to sit, and he still was awful. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yes he was. Yeah, because he was a Bob Toledo he was a Bob Toledo guy. So yeah, you're right. It was a perfect system pick because I, I loved the pick. I thought it was a great pick. I mean, it fit. I you know, we were doing that dink and dump stuff at the time. Gary Croton, it was working. And I thought, hey, you know, you can't throw the football in Chicago, but you can throw it short. You can't push it in the field. But you can dink and dump. I said, oh, this is a great pick. Cade was horrible. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I thought okay. Jason Campbell wasn't horrible at Chicago, but I don't think they had the money to pay him. That's true. Jason Kelman had a bad from college through pros because, like every year, he had a new offensive coordinator, so he never could get a. He never could <laughs> he get a. Where did he go? Where did he get after that too? <laughs> Washington. <laughs> oh, and listen, he played for the Redskins and the Raiders. I, I'll pray for Jason Campbell every night because of that. When you play for those two organizations, <laughs> that's a bad situation all the way around. I he mean, you think about Browns. it. I mean, like. I mean, you think about it. You play for the Redskins, or you play for the Red, the Raiders. That's just like playing college at West Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to tell y'all, thank y'all for you know being on the show tonight, Scott. I want to ask you about your recruiting. How is it? Everything going for that? Oh, I tell you what, it's been crazy lately. Unfortunately, the UAB program shut down, and uh, I. I I've helped about four or five guys that signed with UAB, and apparently they passed my name around in a meeting. And last week, to say the least, was pretty crazy because I got a, I got calls from about thirty or forty of them trying to trying to have uh, trying to get me to help them to transfer before the spring semester. So, needless to say, that's that's encompassed my entire last two weeks. You know, pretty much, I've been trying to help some of these UAB players that were left out to dry. So, what's the ruling on that? If the program is shut down. When they transfer, they're eligible, they're they're immediately. eligible to play immediately. They're, okay. they're eligible to play immediately. Actually, there's a linebacker from Lynette that I, I helped him out of high school named Shaq Jones. Shaq has already been offered. He didn't need help. He's already been offered by major. Like I know Arizona UCLA have offered him. Uh, been, several big-time D1s have offered him because he was pretty much one of their best players. You know, and that's so unfortunate for UAB. I mean, because UAB, they're in the, they're in the, in the city where – it's fertile ground for talent. Fertile now, that's talent. That's true. Well, UABs did a bad job. They did a bad job of evaluating talent in Alabama. Troy does a really good job. Years has looked outside the state when, when really the city of Birmingham, the city of Birmingham has a, has a good bit of talent, but they just overlook it. 
I mean, consistently they overlook it. And it's amazing to me how they do it. But they did it. Now, this, this new coach, Bill Clark, this year, he was doing a terrific job. So I hate that their program got shut down because I really believe Bill Clark will be a big-name college football coach in the next 10 years. So I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, I, really I, hope. I hope that he – I really hope that, you know – and they say that that's still in the air, whether they're going to get shut down or not. Well, they, so, they, they've got they, – they're, they're doing some stuff, you know, kind of like it. – it's kind of like if you lose a case and you and you appeal. But it's – it's let's put it this way. The program, the players are already – you got several guys already have decided where they're going, and, and it's pretty much a done deal. I mean, it basically it would take – it would take – Barack Obama doing an executive order to save you ABC program at this point. Well, you, I would rather see Memphis be shut down football-wise than to see UAB shut down. So I think UAB had more of a future. Than yeah, Alabama just, you know, the University of Alabama, the board of trustees kind of strangled them a little bit. Uh, they didn't really want that. You know, Bear Bryant didn't want it when he was alive. Paul, the, the son, the Bear, Bear Jr., or Paul, the, whatever his name is, the third, he didn't want it. And uh, pretty much they, they wouldn't allow, even when UAB had the funding to build their own on-campus stadium, they still said no. So I think it was something, I hate it happened, but it's something without being separate. You know, being the Alabama system, it was never going to work. So with that being said, will Alabama play a home game in Birmingham again? No. Legion Field is a dump. Uh, I took my son to a father-son uh, UAB football campus past summer there, and I'm telling you, Legion Field. I don't think the high schools in, in Birmingham would want to help to play there. I mean, it's it's really a horrific stadium. Wow. I mean, it just hadn't been. You know, nobody put money into it. UAB couldn't put money into it. The high schools like Hoover plays the plays at the uh, at the Baron Stadium when they do when they play when they're not acting. They don't have to play yeah. at home, you know. So, basically, yeah, basically that. Nobody put money into it, and you can tell. I mean, if you pull up and walk inside that thing, it's a dinosaur. Yeah, I, I agree so with that. Is it safe to say? Is it safe to say that's going to be one of those buildings that's going to come down in the next year or so? You know, the thing, the only thing is keeping it up is that uh, Magic City Classic. Uh, I believe it's Alabama A and M and Alabama State, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. That that is that's the only thing. I mean, that they, they that brings in a lot of money for the you know that week is kind of a big deal around Birmingham. It brings in a lot of money. That's the only thing that's left that that, that does anything there. And there's not another stadium in Birmingham that can host that. You know, you're talking 70, 60, 70 thousand people. It can't host that. So it's kind of. Uh, well, I guess we'll see. They'll have to put money into it or or uh, move that game somewhere else. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so too. But we're gonna take a quick station break, and we'll be right back.
shot down to the Ville. Nap down to the Natty. Hype is where it's at for music and news. From hip-hop to Hollywood. Attention listeners. Log on to thehypemagazine.com for the hottest hip-hop and urban magazine you've ever seen. Get the 411 on the world of entertainment. New releases and more. Just log on to thehypemagazine.com. In stores now at 7-Eleven, Kmart, Target, Barnes & Noble, Marsh, Chicken Say, as well as all mobile devices. Hype, how you perceive everything. Welcome back to the Live by Terrence Show. I am T-Rex. We have Jermaine and Scott on. Uh, I'd like to say thank you all for being on the show tonight. Are there any shout-outs you'd like to give? Yes. For me, um, I want to send out a special congratulations to one of the best coaches to ever come out of the state of Alabama, uh, Rush Probst. He actually won his first Georgia State Championship last night for the Crawford County Packers, and I want to send out a special congratulations to him. And I'd like to send out a to send out a congratulations to a kid that signed up with me about two weeks ago, quarterback from Foley, Alabama, uh, named Tyler Cameron. He threw the game-winning touchdown pass yesterday in the Alabama-Mississippi uh, Senior All-Star game. And so I'd like to send a shout out to him, and hopefully, looking forward to getting getting him some uh, some recruiting, some heavy D1 offers. Hopefully, here shortly. Uh, big kid, six four with a big arm, and a, a very very nice, well-mannered young man. So I want to send a shout out to him and congratulations on that play yesterday. All right, that's what's up. Uh, thank you all again. Uh, I love talking football with, with you guys. Uh, we'll be back on next Sunday talking more football with you all, so y'all, y'all take care. You guys all have right, a good one now. Chance. Thanks a lot. All right, see y'all later. Yeah, that was Jermaine and Scott Scott Smith of Streetlight Recruiting and also Mr. Jermaine. You know, we, we chop it up on, on the first – hour of the show talking football and everything uh, we both love well i mean we all love college football and of course the nfl uh, college football has another month left and then we'll be talking about the recruiting then and so we're, we're gonna keep keep that segment going as always and so i, I definitely enjoy having those guys on uh, we're gonna continue the show got our next guest that's coming up um he was born on february Seventeenth, he's very passionate about his work. He has a love for hip hop. Uh, he promotes God and his music, and, and and I love that about him because we don't get to hear all of that on mainstream radio as much anymore. Anything that's positive related. So I, I reached out to this next artist that's coming up, and I enjoyed his music and also. My fiance, she enjoyed his music as well, and and what he's all about. He's a God fearing man. We're gonna welcome Getty on to the show. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I just want to say thank you. It's a it's an honor and a blessing to have you on the show tonight. Man, I appreciate you guys reaching out to me. Uh, no problem. Uh, so uh, tell us about yourself. I, um, like I was saying, you know, you, you project God in your music, and I know that you know you you live for for Him. So uh, just pretty much tell us about yourself. Uh, you know, I'm born and raised in a good old lot in Oklahoma. Um, both my parents went to church growing up, and uh, when I was 18, that's actually when I turned my life to Christ, and uh, I always had a passion for hip hop and writing poetry and things like that in high school. And then it was like, you know what, man, I got to use this gift and I got to use this talent for God. 
because that's the only thing that's going to matter. So, you know, I attend church. I go to see Time and Harvest. My pastor is Victor Dixon. I just recently got signed to God Squad Records. It's a group of also underground MCs as well, too. And we just kind of cross-promote each other's music and things like that. We're a big support system, you know. Anytime somebody needs prayer, we reach out to one another, and we stay in contact faithfully. Now, how are you able to stay focused with so much, you know, there's so much everything that's going going on in the world as far as, you know, uh, the Mike Brown incident or the Eric Garner incident. How are you able to stay focused and still, you know, push the word of God out to everybody through your music? I think the key to staying focused is the fact that the Bible does say that all these things are going to take place. At the same time, it is disheartening, you know, to actually live live in a time frame and actually witness these things because you do become heavy burdened. But I think the most important thing that anybody who who walks and lives for Jesus, the most important thing is to keep your eyes focused upon Him. And it's easy to give into the the race wars because you know nobody's ignorant to the, the that these things are actually happening to people. But at the same time, the issue is it's much deeper than that, man. It's what's what's in the heart of man. You know, it's it's really a sin issue. Right, exactly. I agree, and it, 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 it is that, and you know, it, it's a humanity issue. It's a spiritual issue because we are battling, you know, forces with Satan, and, and also he's you know pretty much perpetrating into our society to. Make these race wars, thinking it's just white and black and and, and everything, but it, it's bigger and beyond that. And it's and, and like you say, it's, it's written in the book. But my thing is, I don't understand why people tend to act like it's not in the book, and and they and they falling for this stuff. What oh, you have any comment you would like to make on that? I think a lot of people actually don't really believe in the Word of God. A lot of if you talk to a lot of people, they say, "Well, how do you know this book is written by God?" And uh, who's to say that man, the man that 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 uh, translated it, that it didn't taint it in some way? Or you know, a lot of people think that this is a system that's used to control people, to brainwash people. And the first thing I like to say to those people is, how can something that promotes peace and love and all these things, how can it be used to brain be brainwash anybody when you, everybody has free will? I can't brainwash you if I'm giving you choices. If God's giving us choices, he's not like, hey, you know, you have to live this way or else. Because we'll be, we'd be like robots if we were forced to uh, to worship him. You know, there wouldn't be no love in that. And also, you know, it also says in the word of God that, that this book is the inspired and only infallible written word of God. And so everything that is written in there. Past, present, future, you know, there's been times in the Old Testament books where scientists really found out that this Sodom and Gomorrah, what caused it, and how these people were literally buried alive and things mm-hmm. like that, and people still don't want to believe it. It's right there in their faces. Right. Right. And and also, you know, in a, in a time somebody mentioned the word God, they want to, you know, try to tune you out, turn your head, and especially in the music industry with the music that you're doing, you know, you mentioned the word God. My question is, how do you, do you think that mainstream radio de- deliberately plays music to 
stir people up as far as you no know, sex, violence, and drugs, and and, and push away uh, the good music that you that you are doing on the wayside, so that people won't get that message that you're trying to uh, get out to um, the mass media or, or or people that wants to receive that message. I do believe that that they that they actually do do that. Um, uh, there's I don't know all the seven mountains of influence, but I know arts and entertainment is one of those, and that's something that the church really needs to be gaining control over because they don't they don't want people to be changed. They want you to hear about how I love the strippers and how I got the gold chains and how I'm popping mollies and I'm out here sweating, but they don't want you to tell you know people when they when when they come down from their high, when they're sitting at home by themselves, what are they really thinking about? What's really going on in their minds? There, there has to be more than just that. And, uh, but yeah, if the church gained control of the seven mountains of influence, including arts and entertainment, I believe we would have more of an influence to change our nation and the world with this message of hope. And uh, it also reminds me of how Satan himself was a minister of music in heaven. The Bible says that he had all the instruments that were incorporated into his voice. And naturally, when he fell, where is his influence now? Right, right. It's, it's definitely You can definitely hear it in the music, the mainstream music in a way. And I'm, I'm always an advocate of, of, of talent and also inspirational and spiritual people because we all have a purpose on this earth and I feel like we all need to get that message out but it's kind of hard to do it when mainstream is looking at Luciferian type stuff and rather than what, what God has for us so so the artists like you and but you know I give to those Lecrae Lecrae was able, able to get his music out there to the mass but there's a lot of a lot of other Lecrae's like like yourself and God Squad Records and 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 you know uh, R&B singers and everything that that and gospel singers that that wants to uh, promote and sing ch- sing about change and rap about change and, and they just get thrown to the wayside so that that kind that hurts my heart but my question is how if you can't get your stuff to the mainstream platform. What other avenues are you using to get your music heard by the masses? You know, uh, I think the most important thing is actually physically show up. And when people see you and they, they see that change in you and they, they're like, man, there's something different about this dude. To actually connect with the people uh, is the first most important step. But naturally, I can't be everywhere in the world at one time. So I, I use avenues like SoundCloud. I have a my Facebook page, YouTube. I have a Bandcamp account. I have a Reverb Nation. So I try to promote through uh, the, every single avenue I have just to try to get that, that word out there. Now, I had this first track um, that I want to play. It's called Backstabbers. Um, can you tell us about this track? The song Backstabbers is um, it's got this crazy hip hop sample that I heard, and I was like, "Man, I have to use this beat," and it, it just fit perfectly because the 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 mixtape that it's on, uh, which was recently released in, at the end of November, is called No Division. And what it is is a project that's saying, "Okay, guys, 
this is what the body of Christ is doing. These are some of the areas that we're divided in. Now, what can we do to fix it? So the song Backstabbers is literally about people in the church who are backstabbing others because of minute differences. I had a line in there that says that uh, so we could dim ex-strippers because they switched into church clothes. And uh, that's actually what judgment, one of the avenues of judgment is is not believing that God can change somebody from their past. So literally when we're backstabbing, we're kind of condemning that person saying, oh, I remember this girl used to be a stripper, used to be in that club over there. First of all, how I know she was in that strip club unless I was in there myself? So what business do I have been in there? and Why am I casting judgment on that individual? So it's kind of like, you know, this, we got to stop. We have to stop doing these things. We got to love them. Amen, amen. Well, let's check out this song, Backstabbers, and we'll be right back. Love in the body, I thought we were the call. Are we true to hear some fists are probably bald? Folks claim they want the truth, then they crucify the preacher. Say they ain't the followers yet, refuse to be the leaders. Pride rises, I see it through the spirit hybrid. And it's evident the church is full of backbiters. The dude on the pew had used some crack fighters. Love covers the multitude, and that's your reminder. If we had the spirit, Christ, we structures ourselves. But on the railroad of life, we possess it ourselves. Every time we point the finger, we're trusting ourselves. Every time we hate, we only hold a grudge with ourselves. Every time we kill, we only put in the gun at ourselves. Look at being million bucks, but only one of themselves. Yo, let me set the clarity. The best name is charity. Who separates his body from the world and the Pharisee? Smile in your face, smile in your face. Smile in your face, and they stab you in the back. Smile in your face, smile in your face. Smile in your face, and they stab you in the back. Smile in your face, smile in your face. Smile in your face, and they stab you in the back. Smile in your face, smile in your face. Smile in your face, and they stab you in the back. We're too close to the end to be taking our own furloughs. Condemning ex strippers who are switched in the church clothes. We see these issues, I tell you what's the worst, bro. They can't tell the difference between the curse and the church. Whoa, I can't blame him. How do you argue against? We exalt, and if he falls, we say how sorry he is. We keep bringing up the past, Atari's it is. And if the tables ever turn, then we hardly forgive. Stop looking at the specs, remember where your plank is. Stop scheming on your family or your name. Is it blanked in? When Mr. Krabs will give you anything you ask, regardless of your past, man, we should always thank him. Should be known by charity, aligned with the statement. Prayers are incense, and we're divided by the fragrance. How can I pray the heathen hate on you? Smile in your face, turn around and pray on you. You smile in your face, smile in your face, smile in your face, and they stab you in the back. Smile in your face, smile in your face, smile in your face, and they stab you in the back. Smile in your face, smile in your face. Smile in your face, and they stab you in the back. Smile in your face, smile in your face. Smile in your face, and they stab you in the back. Welcome back to the Live by Terrence Show. I am T Rex. We got Getty Nun on the air with us. Welcome back. Sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I definitely like that track. And um, 
I understand exactly what you're saying, man. You know, I, me personally, I don't cast judgment on anybody, and, and that's the way we should should live. And, and, and you know, we all have a past, and we all can overcome that past. So I definitely love that song, and I'm gonna make sure we keep that in the rotation because we all about promoting, you know, inspirational artists, and that'd be a song that I would, would like to continue playing on our show. Now, I appreciate that. Now, tell us about the the label you with, God Squad Records. Uh, uh, tell us some of the projects that y'all uh, are currently working on. Okay, um, all the artists are we're all located in different parts of the United States. We have Elon Brio, he's located in Alaska. We have Tom, who's in Idaho. Dante's in Chicago, and I'm here in Oklahoma. And really what it is is uh, we try to break away from the, the record label, like, all right, this is what you have to do, versus so what we actually do is we come together and, uh, you know, if there's any need that needs to be met, we all split up the cost between the four of us. And uh, we're working on the album called The God Squad Collective. Um, so far we've got about six tracks done. We just started maybe in November. So, uh we haven't got any songs yet for radio play. That's something we're working on. And also, we on our we have a YouTube account, and uh, every Monday we do something that's called the Monday Message. So for about ten minutes, we're going to be giving you some word, uh, trying to sow some encouragement, just whatever God has laid upon our hearts to speak about. And that happens every single Monday. Okay, yeah, we, we definitely had to check that out. Um, as far as you know, the album and everything. <clears throat> do y'all have any? Do y'all, are y'all featuring any artists outside of the of the, um, the the label or the click you all have, or is this all all the God Squad artists? Uh, so far, on this on this album is just going to be God Squad artists because uh, myself and Elon Brion Rio just recently signed to the label, so um, it's kind of like, hey, we got new artists. This is their voices. This is what they sound like, type of deal. And then uh, going forward from that, we'll all be uh, featuring other artists. Okay, okay. Now, wh- wh- where can we find you online? Um, give us um, where we can find you on Facebook and Twitter and so forth. On Facebook, you can kind of find me on Facebook dot com forward slash Getanon Music, and that's G E D D E N O N. On Twitter, forward slash getting on. Uh, YouTube is getting on music. SoundCloud's going to be getting on, and also on Bandcamp and Reverb Nation. It'll be it'll be the same name all across the board. Okay, okay. And then, are there any shout outs you'd like to give tonight? Man, I just want to personally shout you guys out. Thank you for uh, actually reaching out to me. This is actually my very first radio interview, so you know I'm I'm excited about what God is doing. And he's opening up more do uh, more doors and more avenues for his word to be spread, not mine, but his. So, amen to that. I want to give a shout out to all my brothers at God Squad, Ref, Dante, Elon, Brio, and yeah, that, that's all I got. Oh man, I can't believe this is your very first interview. You sound like a natural. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what's up. Um, you will have a lot of people that are going to be tuned in, listening to us live and also on the podcast because uh, we we are media partners with The Hype Magazine. So 
Um, this interview will get, get a lot of exposure, and I hope that what you stand for and, and what your music stands for, and also with the God Squad Records, that your message will get out to people that needs it. And I pretty much would say this, everybody needs that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> now, um, I'm going to let you introduce this next track. It's called Go Ahead. Uh, but before you introduce it, I want you to give us, uh, just tell us about it. Okay. Um, track Go Ahead is uh, first and foremost featuring two um, people that I actually know. They're actually brothers. They're uh, Jeff and Jason Albert that I went to high school with. Um, it's about when I fail, when I struggle, when I when I when my my situation when my sin just get the best of me and I feel heavy burden, I want to cry out to God like Paul said. Paul said, God, whatever you do, just remove the star from my flesh. But God was like, Hey, I'm not worried about that. My grace is sufficient. So basically, what God is saying is, Go ahead. I understand that you have struggles. I've written your story. Keep your eyes on me. Get back up. And continue to press on. It's about literally being a soldier. No matter how much weight and how much trials and adversity we go through, to keep on pressing on. And this next track is called Go Ahead. Do I bury my gifts? Cause I'm doubting myself. My mind is a Xanax, always doubting myself. Rivers of living water, but not drowning myself. I can't move forward if I'm just surrounded by self. I should pray with the inner man to balance myself. I read so much of his words that I callous myself. I'm far behind in growth that I doubt it would help. But he picked me up when I stumbled with my fallible self. He showed himself true in the midst of conversation. He told me to believe and the void will not be vacant. Dried every chance that reached the population. At last, after he asked, who can stop you, Satan? I must remember that I have to suffer the rain. That it's all for his glory, ready to suffer through pain. In the midst of my trials, I'll be exhibiting this. That I truly have purpose, there's many missions to win. I was down on my knees, asking God, please, does it have to be me? Accepting my defeat, but he said... Go ahead. 
God, I ain't worthy, and I'm so dirty. Why should I be the one to talk about your mercy? All I keep hearing is how life with you is dirty. But my flirting with this evil and the devil got me hurting. And God, I hear you calling, but please choose someone else. Because I keep falling, and I only have a sense of self. And Lord, I'm too real to be a church hypocrite. I can't be half holy, because there really ain't no sense in it. Like a half mold yard without a fence in it. The world is the easy route, but hey, I'm not defending it. Wait a minute, son. Now who's the hypocrite? You hate the world's hate, but you always in the mix of it. You hate the world's way, but you sure do depend on it. You don't need my blessing, but you sure do be spending it. You are made righteous through the blood that my son shed. So do what I say and I'll do the rest. Y'all I was head. down on my knees, asking God please, does it have to be me? Accepting my defeat, but he said... I'm definitely feeling that track. Get it on. I just want to say thank you for um, taking the time to be on the show tonight. And we're definitely going to stay in touch with you. And 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 if there's anything that we can do to help, we're, we're always here for you. I appreciate that. And uh, I hope you have a good night, man. Uh, and you hold it down and, and keep God first. Amen. You too. All right. Thank you. Yeah, that that's his his music is is very fulfilling and it definitely has a message and, and I enjoy listening to that kind of music that has that, that 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 kind of music has a soul, you know what I'm saying? And you you can get a, a lot of good positive vibes out of it and uh like he was saying, you know, God has already written our story. So just go ahead, just keep pushing, keep your eyes on him. You know, we're all going to slip up. We're all going to fall down. But at the same time, you got you to get back up and keep your eyes on him. And he's going to take you to where you're supposed to be. And that's what that song is about. And then the first song we played, Backstabbers, was pretty much talking about, you know, people want to judge you about your past and everything and, and, and call you out. But you got to look at it. They have a past, too. They They have things that they have done. So for them to pass judgment on you, that's not right. And it's not right for anybody on this earth to pass judgment on anybody because we all have have been somewhere. We all have a story. Our story might be different from the next person. But you just keep on pushing and try to be a better person and then maybe you can help somebody out that, that really needs to help. So definitely... I definitely felt the message from that, and I hope that everybody that tuned in not only got their football fix, but also got their spiritual fix as well, because I definitely got got that. And I'm de- very grateful to have Getty on on the show, and, and God bless to him and God Squad Records. And we would love to interview everybody on, on that roster because I feel like they are moving toward something greater than Anything on this earth, and that's toward God, and that's toward Jesus Christ. And, you know, I'm going to close it out on that note. You know, we use the broadcast two hours, but, you know, after receiving that message, there's nothing else to be said. 
I hope y'all check out this podcast and all the other podcasts that we have before this. And I'm just saying this year has been great. God has blessed us. We're on top of the charts on Reverb Nation. We've been consistently in the top five in the nation, top ten in the world for 2014, 2015. we got even bigger plans. And we, um, I know before I have said we are like the little engine that could. We're a small show, but we are making mainstream hits and, and mainstream impact, even though I don't want the show to be considered mainstream. Because coming with mainstream comes with all the other worldly stuff that I really don't want this show to be about. But anyway, I want to say God bless you all. You all have a good night. I'm not going to even close the show out with a song. I'm just going to do it with silence. Peace. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.